Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids. A show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey there, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. Today's date is December 17th, 2020. It happens to be the day before my birthday. I was born on December 18th. So what do you think of that? What am I going to do for my birthday tomorrow? Probably record a podcast. Greatest birthday ever. (laughs) I don't have any plans. I plan on relaxing. I've got a bunch of virtual lessons to do. And then uh, um, I think I've got three or four virtual lessons to do tomorrow. So that's my plan is to enjoy myself doing virtual lessons and then probably trying to record another podcast if I have time. Those are the plans. They change all the time. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Let's jump right into it. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. All right. Make sure you have your bathing suit and a towel because we're going in the ocean. Feature creature for this podcast episode is going to be Mosasaurs. Now, Mosasaur is a little bit confusing because the one of the Jurassic Park series kind of confused everybody by showing this gigantic creature that they called Mosasaur. Well, Mosasaurs are swimming reptiles. They are not dinosaurs. They are related to dinosaurs. They lived at the age of dinosaurs but they are not considered dinosaurs. Secondly, there's not an animal called Mosasaur. Mosasaur is a family name, much like the word dog. We use dog to describe an entire family of animals, like Chihuahuas, Rottweilers, Great Danes, Border Collies, um, Jack Russell Terriers. Those are all dogs. Well, like that, The word Mosasaur is for a group of animals. And among the Mosasaurs, there's things like Halosaurus, Plyoplate Carpus, Globidens, Plate Carpus, Plesioplate Carpus, Lyodon, Pragnathodon, and Tylosaurus. And there is one called Mosasaurus. So there is an animal named Mosasaurus, but not an animal named Mosasaur. That is the family name. So mosasaurs, what they are, is they are swimming reptiles. They have long kind of slender bodies with big flippers, and their big long tail was probably the thing that moved them through the water. They probably used their flippers to help them change directions quickly. So they would have been very fast swimmers, and they would have been, uh, they easily could have changed directions and moved quickly. They were 
the top predator of the late Cretaceous. And, and, and they were, I mean, they were as bad as it gets. These things are terrifying animals. So mosasaurs were a group of swimming reptiles. Now, they, they're related to snakes. I know when you look at them, most people think they're swimming lizards, but they're actually more closely related to snakes. In fact, there are some paleontologists who believe that they may have even had a forked tongue like a snake. Have you ever seen when a snake moves its tongue in and out, tasting the water? Mosasaurs may have had that same feature. And you might ask, how do you taste when you're underwater? Well, well, sea snakes do it all the time. Sea snakes move their tongue in and out underwater, and they're tasting the water. Mosasaurs may have done the same thing. So don't think of mosasaurs as lizards with flippers. Think of them as snakes with flippers. Because they're more closely related to snakes. Now, the name Mosasaur, where did that name come from? Well, they were first discovered at a place called the Meuse River, which is in Europe. Meuse spelled M-E-U-S-E, Meuse River. And they that word, when it was converted into uh, Latin, sounds like Mose. So Mosasaurs get their name from the Meuse River in Europe. For a long time, nobody really knew what the skin was like of these things. Was it smooth like a like a worm? Was it like an eel? Well, they ultimately found evidence of scales. They actually have snake-like scales covering their body. Remember, I said these things. Now, of course, lizards have scales too, but these have very snake-like scales. These animals are absolutely like snakes. And something even more exciting, they have actually found color pigment in some of those scales that gives us an idea of the color of these animals. And you know what their color is like? Like that of a great white shark. Dark on the back, light on the tummy. That's called countershading. Why do they have countershading? Because predators use it as a way to disguise themselves Let's say you are a sea turtle and you're deep in the water and you look up and a mosasaur is above you. Well, because its stomach is white, it kind of blends in with the sky. You can't really see it. And the same thing goes if you're on turtle on the surface and you look down. Well, the back of the mosasaur is dark. It looks like the ocean floor. You don't see it either. Countershading is very effective for predators and for prey. A lot of prey animals have the same thing. It's helped to disguise them. So this is a snake-like animal with scales and countershading, which really makes it look exciting. There were two different studies about its metabolism. What is metabolism? Well, metabolism is a fancy word for whether you're warm-blooded or cold-blooded. If you're cold-blooded, in the wintertime, you're not very active. You don't do anything. You just kind of hibernate because your blood temperature is based on the outside temperature. But if you're warm-blooded, your body is producing the heat that allows you to, to deal with colder weather. So one study said these animals were endothermic, and that's a big word, which means warm-blooded. Endothermic means that you are, cre- you are making your own heat when you eat food You convert that to energy, and that's converted to heat, and that's what keeps you warm. Ectothermic means you rely on the outside temperature to keep you warm. Snakes, lizards, they are ectothermic. 
they are cold-blooded. So which one was mosasaurs? Were they endothermic or ectothermic? Well, two different groups of scientists did two different studies, and they both arrived at two different answers. Some believe they were cold-blooded. Some believe they were warm-blooded. Here's what I think. An animal that is cold-blooded that lives in the water, things like crocodiles, sea snakes, sea turtles, the one thing they have the ability to do is to get out of the water to warm up. But a mosasaur didn't, wasn't able to do that. Mosasaurs couldn't get out. So if they couldn't get out of the water to warm up, they may not be able to function. But if eating food generated their body heat and allowed them to deal with colder temperatures, then they were, they were certainly more effective. Now, they lived at a time when the seas were relatively warm. They didn't have to worry so much about it. But it doesn't matter how warm the water was. Water still steals your heat. And if your body is, if you're warm-blooded, it's going to steal your heat. You have to be able to replace it. So I don't know if they were endothermic or ectothermic. All that I know is they were very effective. So whichever one it was, they got around the problems that you have by being warm-blooded or cold-blooded. Didn't phase them. They seemed to get along fine because they were very, very effective hunters. And speaking of hunters, well, what did they eat and how did they hunt? Well, mosasaurs ate probably anything they could get in their mouth. Fish, sea turtles, um, certainly sharks. They would have hunted other mosasaurs. They may have hunted their own family. They may have hunted their own kids. Can you imagine that? You think your mom is tough when she tells you to clean your room. At least she's not a mosasaur and tells you if you don't clean your room, she's going to eat you. Yeah. Can you imagine? Go clean your room or I'm going to eat you. Uh, okay, I'll clean my room. Thank you very much. So mosasaurs diet was literally anything they could catch in the water. They probably ate birds, animals that like seabirds that were diving in the water to catch fish. A mosasaur would try to eat them. It would literally eat anything it could get in its mouth. Now, its hunting tactics are probably similar to that of a great white shark or any shark for that matter. They have that counter shading that helps them hide. They're probably cruising through the water, looking up at the surface and trying to spot anything that moves. But they may also be flicking that tongue in and out, tasting the water to figure out where something is, what's in their area. So once they zero in on their target, then if the animal is beneath them, below them, they probably went to the surface and took a deep breath because these animals do not have gills. They have lungs. They are air breathers. They would probably take a deep breath, dive down and chase down whatever it was that they saw or sensed or smelled. Maybe they could hunt in the dark with their sense of smell. They could zero in on the prey in the dark. Sharks do it all the time. Maybe mosasaurs could hunt in total darkness. Ooh, wouldn't that be scary to think those things were swimming around out there in the ocean? They could chase them down. Their long, skinny body was very snake-like, which meant that it could turn and twist very quickly. Now, I don't think that when they moved through the water, they swam like a sea snake. 
I don't think their whole body kind of moved back and forth. I think they kept their body still and just their tail was moving them. Have you ever seen pictures of crocodiles? Think of a crocodile when it's swimming. A crocodile's body isn't wiggling all over as it swims. In fact, its body's staying pretty still. It's just its tail that's moving. I suspect that's more of what Mosasaurus probably did. They use those flippers on the side to steer, but they use that tail to move them forward. So I think they literally chased down their prey. Now, there was a movie, uh, what was it called? Walking with Dinosaurs, I think, where a great big animal called Lyplorodon was sitting in the shallow water. And when a dinosaur came to drink, it launched itself out of the water and grabbed it. Hey, that's great movies. That's great theater, but that's probably not realistic. Mosasaurs don't have the capability of launching themselves out of the water. And especially like you saw in Jurassic Park, they could never do that. They can't launch themselves out of the water. It would take a tremendous amount of energy to move those giant animals. Some of the smaller ones might have been, but there's really no need. They're not spending their lives trying to catch uh, birds all the time. They don't live on birds that are flying. They wouldn't grab a pterodactyl out of the air. They could try, but they wouldn't. That's not how they made their living. They're waiting for a pterodactyl to, to fall into the water or dive into the water, and then they're going to go catch it and eat it. So their bodies were not made for that. So hunting probably would have been very much like the strategy of a great white shark. Now, I know you've all seen video of great white sharks coming out of the water when they kill a seal. Yes, mosasaurs probably could do something like that, but they're not, they're not coming out of the water to catch something. The only reason why they're coming out of the water is their body is moving forward at a high rate. And when they come to the surface, they don't stop. They keep going. So they would kind of come out of the water and do a belly flop, but they're not going to come tail walking out of the water like we saw in any of those movies. And their diet, yeah, turtles, fish, sharks. Sharks are fish, I know, but I just separate sharks. Uh, crocodiles, dinosaurs. Listen, if dinosaurs would have walked out into the water, out in the ocean to get a drink, and the big mosasaur was there, it's going to eat it. It's going to grab that dinosaur and pull it under the water just like a crocodile does. But you had to walk out in deeper water. Mosasaurs aren't like crocodiles. They can't launch themselves from a hiding spot because their bodies are not flat. A crocodile's body is flat. It can lay in shallow water and launch itself up. Mosasaurs' bodies are rounded. They can't do that. They're hunting. They're hunting in a little bit deeper water. But if they heard, sensed, or smelled something that walked into the water— Say a big uh, plant-eating dinosaur like a hadrosaur would walk out into the water. Why would a hadrosaur walk out into the ocean? I'll tell you why. To get rid of parasites, little bugs that attach themselves to their skin, go out into the salt water. Salt water will kill all those parasites. Dinosaurs, I think, would have wandered out into the water, into the ocean all the time to get rid of parasites or to collect seaweed and eat it. Seaweed is very nutritious. So that would have put them in harm's way if a mosasaur, a big mosasaur, would have been in the area. So did these animals lay eggs like a snake then? Did they come on land? Did they dig a hole and did they lay eggs? They didn't. And many people believe that they gave live birth like a dolphin does. Where they didn't lay eggs, they had live babies. Now, it may be possible like some sharks lay eggs. They lay eggs on the ocean floor. And the eggs sit there until they hatch. Mosasaurs may have done something like that. 
But the reason why I do not believe they ever came on land to lay their eggs is because their body was not designed to be on land. They lost that ability. When an animal comes on land that lives in the ocean, it has to have some kind of structure. Its ribs have to be strong enough to support its body weight. What I mean by that is when a whale washes up on the beach, when a whale beaches itself, the whale doesn't die because it needs to be wet. The whale dies because it can't breathe, because the weight of its body is squeezing on its lungs. And every time it takes a breath, it's trying to lift its body weight with its breath so it can fill its lungs. And little by little, it simply cannot do it any longer. And they die because they can't breathe. Mosasaurs would have been the same way. They don't have the big belly ribs that are made for supporting that animal. So if they came on land, they wouldn't be able to breathe. Their body would weigh too much. So I don't believe that they ever came on land. If they did, it was to die. Because once they came on land, unless they got lucky and washed back out to sea, they're doomed. So Mosasaurs, in my opinion, probably had live birth or maybe they laid their eggs in the, in the water, maybe down like, like they would dive down into a bunch of seaweed and kelp and go down and lay their eggs and kind of hide them among the kelp and hope that nothing sees them until the baby hatches. Because again, some sharks do that. Some stingrays do that. Skates do that. So it's possible that mosasaurs could have done that. But I believe mosasaurs had live young. Now, there was a bunch of different kinds. Remember, I said mosasaur was the family name. Mosasaurs are the words we use to describe the family. There's over, there's over 40 different species of mosasaurs. The littlest was one called Dallasaurus. Dallasaurus, found in Dallas. They grew to be three feet long. The bigger ones, the biggest is like Tylosaurus. It may have been 50 feet long. Listen, that's longer than Tyrannosaurus rex. Now, there is that species called Mosasaurus. Mosasaurus, I've seen a lot of different conversations about how big that thing really was. It was big. It may have been longer than Tylosaurus, but we don't know for certain. I think that the biggest one known is Tylosaurus, but I may be wrong. If you guys have time to look it up, go and search Mosasaurus and see if it was bigger than 50 feet, the estimated size of Tylosaurus. These things lived all over the world. Mosasaurs lived everywhere. They lived all over the world during the late Cretaceous period. That's when they were king of the ocean. Now, there were some other Sea animals with them, ichthyosaurs, mosasauruses would have eaten them. Plesiosaurs, mosasauruses would have eaten them. There were some big animals called pliosaurs, but they were not competition with mosasaurs. Pliosaurs were animals like Kronosaurus and Lyplorodon. Those things were enormous, but they did not appear to be very fast, and they certainly couldn't change directions very quickly. They could never catch a healthy mosasaur. Mosasaur is simply too fast, could outmaneuver them too easily. It would be like uh, like an elephant trying to catch a cheetah. Just not going to happen. So Mosasaurs lived all over in the shallow ocean. Now, there was a time at the Lake Cretaceous where here in North America, the ocean split United States and North America in half. Mosasaurs were living in that ocean, living in that shallow sea. 
That's why we find mosasaurs in Texas and Nebraska and Kansas. Those places were once covered by that shallow sea. So mosasaurs are found all over the world. But the most interesting thing about a mosasaur were its upper jaws. Because it has a second set of upper jaws called pterygoid. Pterygoid, spelled P as in Paul, T-E-R-Y-G-O-I-D. The P is silent like pterosaur, pterygoid teeth. These were a second set of teeth. If you opened its mouth and looked inside, you saw another row of teeth up on the roof of its mouth. Those teeth were probably used to hold on to things that were struggling to get away. So that's what makes mosasaurs such remarkable animals is that they had all those features. They were the top predators. There's not an animal named mosasaur. Mosasaur is a word used to describe a family. And of all the mosasaurs, Tylosaurus would have been the one I would not have wanted to mess with. All right, let's answer a couple of questions. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, like the wonderful lady just said, there's a number of ways you can submit questions. Go to dinosaurgeorge.com and go to the uh, Dinosaur George Kids podcast page. Or like uh, uh, young Mr. Grayson, age five, from Morristown, New Jersey, he went to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page and sent this question. Why does Therizinosaurus have such huge claws? Well, Grayson, glad you asked because that's a very, very good question. Therizinosaurus, if you guys don't know what it is, you've got to look it up. It is a very unusual dinosaur in that it's got massively long claws. Now, a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of the paleontologists feel that all of the evidence suggests that Therizinosaurus is an herbivore and therefore would use those three claws on each hand to reach up into a tree and pull the limbs down so they could reach leaves higher up in the tree. And they also believe they were used to defend themselves. I, I just don't accept that. Looking at the shape of those claws, they are shaped nothing, nothing like the claws of an herbivore who would be using them to reach up into a tree and pull down the limb. If that were the case, they would be flat on the bottom, a big flat claw that would allow them to grasp the tree. They're, trying, they're not going to try to cut the tree in half. So why would they have such thin, sharp claws? I still believe that Therizinosaurus was an omnivore and that those claws were capable of killing prey. Some people believe they may have been insectivores. They may have used those claws to rip open giant termite mounds like an anteater does today. Whatever the case, Grayson, those claws are very long. They're, They're the length of a grown man's arm. Each claw is as long as a person's arm. It's huge, and it it remains a mystery. Maybe one day somebody will figure it out. All right. Um, this is a question from Taryn, age nine, who goes uh, who lives in Frisco, Texas. Says hello. How are you? I'm fine, Taryn. Nice to uh, nice for you to ask that. Taryn says, "I was wondering what your favorite dinosaur is." Thanks and bye. Well, what a polite thing to ask, Taryn. Uh, my favorite dinosaur is Allosaurus. 
Not as big as Tyrannosaurus Rex, but Allosaurus is my favorite dinosaur. Okay. Um, Harshitha, age seven from Frisco, Texas. There's a lot from Frisco because I just recently did a virtual lesson for a school in Frisco, and I know all these students are from there. Harshitha asks, why do some dinosaurs have feathers? Well, you know, another good question. Feathers are something that it looks more and more like most carnivores had them. Not all of them, but most, or some anyway. The smaller ones probably had them to help them keep their body warm, to help regulate their body temperature. And I know that sounds silly because every picture you ever see of dinosaurs, you never see them in snow. You always see them in a hot swamp. Dinosaurs lived in all kinds of environments. Yes, there were winters. Not as bad as winters today, but there were still winters. So I think that their feathers would have helped them either camouflage their body so they could hide. They could have used them to help regulate their body temperature. Why did some have them? Probably for those reasons. All right. Noah, age 11 from Round Rock, Texas. Oh, this is, oh, Noah. Noah is my friend. Noah is a, uh, is a Tyrannosaurus Rex member of the Patreon Club. And you probably recognize Noah as somebody that always submits really good who would win uh, challenges. Noah writes, what invertebrates did Pterodostro specifically eat? Wow, Noah, good question. Pterodostro, for those of you that don't know, was a pterosaur, a pterodactyl. I only use that word because young people understand what it means. Uh, there is no animal named pterodactyl, just like with Mosasaur. Pterodostro is one of those animals. And it had these things in its teeth called filaments, like little brushes. And what it would do is open its mouth, scoop water into its mouth, and then close its mouth. And the water would squeeze through those little brushes. And it would trap tiny little invertebrates, like little crabs and little shrimp. Unfortunately, Noah, tiny little animals like that sometimes don't fossilize because they just dissolve. There's just not a lot to them. So I can't tell you specifically what it ate. But clearly, since pterodastros are found in and around marine sediments, they're probably feeding on things like krill, maybe brine shrimp, uh, maybe triops, maybe all of those things. Good question, buddy. Okay, Nadia, age nine, from Austin, Texas. How do you know what dinosaurs lived in what time period? What a great question. Nadia, if you get a chance, or for all of you, go back. One of my uh, podcasts was on layers of earth. And I talk about the different layers and how scientists are able to estimate the age of the, of those layers. So we know what time period a dinosaur lives in because of the layer of earth that we dig it out of. We know what time that was. So if we dig in the area or in a layer called the Mesozoic or, or the Triassic, then we know that dinosaur, if we find its bones and we know, or we think we know that that dinosaur lived during that time, and that's how we would know which time period it lived in. Very good question. And finally, uh, Mrs. Vandercook's fifth grade class from Frisco, Texas, one of her students named Aiden, age 10, says, do you know if um, siphonophores and frilled sharks are dinosaurs, and if they are, what era did they start to come to Earth? Okay, Aiden, very interesting question. Siphonophores, those are the things that are associated with uh, jellyfish, uh, man-of-wars, uh, corals. 
Those are the stinging things that can sting you and why you don't want to pick up those animals. Those probably date back three to 400 million years ago, way before dinosaurs. They're not dinosaurs. They're not even related to dinosaurs. These are sea creatures. So they probably date back millions of years ago. I'm sorry, hundreds of millions of years ago, long before dinosaurs, maybe even three to 400 million years ago. The frilled shark is not a dinosaur, but we don't know when they first appeared because frilled sharks were unknown until over the last 30 years or so, 20 years. Nobody even knew what a frilled shark was. So that means there's no fossil evidence of it. And if there is no fossil evidence of it, then there's no way that I can tell you with any certainty when it first appeared. Okay, let me do a quick ad about our virtual lessons. And that is for any of you that go to school, if you would like for me to do a Zoom lesson for you and your friends and your students, you guys can listen to this ad and you can find information. Or if you're having a birthday party and you would like for me to come um, do a show for you and your friends. I can be hired to do that. So take a listen to this. And when we come back, it's going to be who would win. Now you can bring Dinosaur George into your classroom, home, or facility anywhere in the world with our virtual lessons. We offer over 15 different topics, including dinosaurs, prehistoric mammals, rocks and minerals, and more. Any age, any location, and any time zone. Visit us at DinosaurGeorge.com. Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right. Now, remember, if you want to submit a who would win challenge, you have to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex member of our Patreon club. So if you'd like to join the Patreon club and you want to submit a who would win challenge, you have to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex member. So Tyrannosaurus Rex member Zane writes and says, who would win? A dragon that breathes fire or a dragon that breathes water? Whoa, this is a tough one because if you're breathing fire and your opponent breathes water, you can douse its flames. The problem, Zane, is if all you do is spray water, it's not like you're going to drown your opponent. You're just going to get him wet. So if the fire-breathing dragon has the ability to get one blast then he's going to cook the poor water dragon. So I believe that a fire-breathing dragon would win. All right, Garrett, another one of our Tyrannosaurus members, writes and says, who would win? Titanoboa versus Spinosaurus. Wow. All right, Titanoboa is a giant constrictor, the largest snake known. This thing is the length of a bus. This thing could put the squeeze on anything. It would be absolutely terrifying. Spinosaurus, as we all know, is the monster, one of the, if not the, biggest meat-eating dinosaurs that ever lived. Boy, what a fight this is going to be. I think where Titanoboa would have a problem, Garrett, 
is that I don't think it could ever. Well, let me think about this a minute. It could certainly attack it, but I don't think because of the sail on its back, Titanoboa could ever eat this thing. It just could never open its jaws that wide, but that doesn't matter. You want to know who would win in a fight. Maybe Spinosaurus decides to eat Titanoboa and Titanoboa fights back. I would say this. If Titanoboa wraps himself around the chest and stomach of Spinosaurus, that fight is over. Spinosaurus can't reach around behind him with its claws, and he certainly can't turn his head far enough backwards to get it off of him. I'm going to go. Well, wait, though. How would he wrap around that the sail? I just changed my mind. I was going to give this fight to, to Spinosaurus, but now I'm changing my mind. I mean, I was going to give this fight to Titanoboa, but now I'm changing my mind because it could not wrap its body around. And that sail, he, he couldn't, he couldn't squeeze hard enough. That sail, he just couldn't wrap enough wraps around it. I don't think to be able to do it. So in my opinion, I'm going to give this fight to Spinosaurus simply because Titanoboa, I don't believe, would have the ability to get its body wrapped around the stomach of Spinosaurus because it would have to also wrap its body around the sail, and that would make it too difficult. Last one comes from one of my favorites. This is Bridget. Bridget sent who would win, Dinosuchus or Dunkleosteus? Woohoo! And I love these battles, you guys. All right, Dinosuchus is one of the biggest crocodiles that ever lived. Dunkleosteus is a giant fish from the Devonian period with a mouth that was like a, like a guillotine. When it slammed that mouth shut, it's going to cut through anything. Except for one thing. I don't think it could penetrate the body armor of Dinosuchus. I believe Dinosuchus comes out the champion in this battle because Dinosuchus has the super advantage of having body armor. Dunkleosteus's body was soft. It didn't even have bones. It was like a shark. Its head was armored, but the rest of its body was not. And that would mean that Dunkleosteus, one bite from Dinosuchus, and he's going to rip through that poor Dunkleosteus. But, you know, there's one advantage, though. I got to say this. Dunkleosteus doesn't breathe air. It, it, it breathes underwater. Dinosuchus can't breathe underwater. So if Dunkleosteus can grab Dinosuchus by the tail and drag it down into deeper water, then Dinosuchus would drown. But I don't think it's going to happen. I just believe Dinosuchus is simply too much, too big, too bad, too powerful. And that, my young friends, is this podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it very much. Remember, everyone, if you have friends that like dinosaurs, please share this podcast with them. I'd like to have as many of you join. If you would like to ask questions, go to dinosaurgeorge.com, click on the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page, and there's a form at the bottom where you can uh, where you can send me your question. Or if you will join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, you can also send me questions through that. Until next time. Oh, by the way, if any of you have a subject you'd like to learn about, send that to me as well. Let me know. Is there an animal you want me to do a show about? Doesn't have to be a dinosaur. 
That's why I chose Mosasaurs, just to let you know it can be anything. So if you do, let me know. Until next time, everybody, take care of yourselves, take care of the people around you, and be kind and nice to everyone. The world is a better place when we are kind. See ya. listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge.